uh, it's it's really just a matter of emphasis. You know, you wanna uh, you wanna have it all in the right place. And the most very most important thing is that is that Jesus died for us. And and so Lutherans take very very seriously the warnings of the prophets that good works can be dangerous if we trust in them. If you trust in your good works, in your piety. In your, li- in, in your living out of God's commandments in your life, if you trust in that, it would be better if you never had done a good work in your life so that you have nothing to trust in but Jesus. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline. And my entire job here is to keep Pastor Wolfmuller in line. Keeping you busy. (laughs) Uh, How are you doing today? Good. Good morning, Evan. How are you? Good. We have a couple wonderful games for Table Talk Radio today. First, we're doing Praise Song Cruncher, and then we're doing Name That Theologian. So a pretty good lineup for Table Talk Radio. But first, let's do our theological buzzwords. Oh, yeah. What do you got? I don't, why don't you go first? <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want to copy you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I only know two or three buzzwords, so if you took mine, I wouldn't have anything to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, my <laughs> theological buzzword for you is anti-legumina. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so good luck. Uh, by the way, in case you haven't heard us do this before, our theological buzzwords are the words that. Um, uh, our the other partner here has to get into the course of the conversation sometime, sometime during the show. But Antilegumina is the uh, the books of the Bible that uh, were not immediately accepted by the canon in consideration uh, for Holy Scripture. Um, include such books as Hebrews, James, Second Peter, Jude. Is that a bit? Revelation. Uh, Revelation. Yeah. Second, the third second John. and third John, yeah. I think. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that that's the that's your theological buzzword. Your theological buzzword or phrase is personal union. Personal. And that's talking about the uh, the union of the two natures in Christ. The personal union. Now, I got a new little twist on theological buzzwords, too. I think w- what should be available is about 500 points or so. And depending on how naturally the word is used, uh, <laughs> that that's how many points you get. So if you just well, say the, the word... Who's the judge of get, that? Well, we can judge each other. So if you use the word naturally... <laughs> Uh, it's not a stretch, yeah. it actually makes sense, then you get 500 points or 450 or something. So, Opposed to so two weeks just, ago when we were on with uh, Cantre Hildebrand, and you... <laughs> right. <laughs> that, re- that reminds me of the of the creed. <laughs> right, that's right. Well, I thought that was pretty good. No, that was a big stretch. You could be the judge of that. Okay, so 500 points available. Right. All right, well, um, the first thing we have up then is the praise song cruncher. This comes from Pastor Wolfmiller's little... Praise Song Cruncher, which is available on our website, tabletalkradio.org, and uh, click on the articles link. Uh, but here we have we have five uh, five questions uh, for cr- uh, critiquing the usefulness of praise songs. Uh, the first one is, 
Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned, yes or no? And if yes, is it in name or a concept? Number two, clarity. Is the song clear? Does it use sentences, you know, with you know, like a subject, a verb, and an object? Or does it use sentence fragments? And that's a 1 to 10 scale. Uh, number three is mysticism. Uh, is the song about the things that God has done, which is objective, or about my own emotions and experiences, subjective? Does the song repeat the same phrases over and over in hypnotic mantra? Uh, that's a 1 to 10 scale. Number four, law and gospel. Does the song proclaim the law and its sternness and the gospel and its sweetness? By the way, the gospel is the promise of the forgiveness of sins one for, one for us through Jesus' death on the cross. Are law and gospel rightly divided and not mixed up? Is the law presented as something that we can do, or does it show us our sins? Is the gospel conditional based on my actions, decisions, and acceptance? So that's yes, no, or I can't tell. And last but not least, is there any explicit false teaching? Hey, that sounds like a pretty good criteria. I like that. <laughs> I wonder why. Okay, well, the first song... Oh, by the way, I need to tell you, um, I, I went on the CCLI charts to get, grab some more praise songs for this. And yes. these were like really old songs. And these are songs that I heard my friends singing in high school. At the, and, and you know how I always want to be relevant, right? High school, that was what that was like 30 minutes ago for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that praise songs are always moving, man. That That's old for, for a praise song. <laughs> so I, I always want to be relevant. So I went to a, a few websites of some churches today and, and pulled these these praise songs from churches used last Sunday. Oh, nice. Okay, so the first one is Gotta Lift You Up. And this, this particular version is performed by the Women of Faith worship team. Be good for praise or size. About the entirety of the song, right there. There's That's only four enough. more lines, which are basically the same. It's like, uh, "Gonna lift you, uh, lift up my hands. Gonna lift my voice. Gonna lift up my worship to you. Gonna lift up my hands and give you praise." That I don't know why with that, the whole song. I'm picturing the gal singing that, like in some sort of leotard with leg warmers that are <laughs> bright blue from the '80s. You know, I mean it. I don't. <laughs> We we gotta get a good song. We gotta get like an '80s aerobic video and dub that music over. (laughs) You you see, look at you. I mean, now this does not have to do with the praise song "Cruncher, Cruncher, Cruncher." Is the is is it actually a decent song? Uh, So that that just, in fact, the musicality and the appropriateness for worship is not is not included in the cruncher because that's kind of a subjective criteria. And the whole point of the cruncher is to bring these things which are so fantastically subjective into some sort of objective criteria. I mean, it's near impossible. Uh, But uh, I don't know, just on kind of musicality and appropriateness for worship, that song um, does not make the cut in my book. Um, Do you want to guess what church I got this from? No. Okay. 
Oh, it's Hope Lutheran, Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. That's not just. <laughs> <laughs> that's my warm up band. <laughs> that's what they. That's what they have in the vestry before you come. Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay, so uh, the first the first question here of your praise song is Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? No, not at all. Do you have these lyrics in front of you? Yeah, I've, I have the lyrics here. You, you sent them to me, so I printed okay. them out. I didn't sure now. if you check your email. Okay, number two. Yeah. Uh, clarity. Is the song clear? Does it use sentences or sentence fragments? Now, here is an interesting point. Oftentimes, praise songs are in the second person, so it's just addressed to you. Now, this is where people say, hey, you got the uh, uh, God boyfriend songs or whatever, uh, because it's it's kind of uh, left vague who's, uh, who's being addressed. And... and so, uh, so the second person often leads to a uh, to a lack of clarity, and that's just how it is here. Because you, there's one there's one little place where it mentions who we're lifting up, and right in the middle of I don't know the bridge or the chorus or something, it says, "Oh Lord, I'm going to lift you up." Um, but that's the only the, the kind of offhanded mention of who we're who we're singing to and who we're lifting up, uh, and then. You add to that the question of what in the world does it mean to lift up the Lord? I mean, that's what I was wondering. It, it is kind of an exercise song in the, in this sort of sense, as it's talking about heavy lifting. Uh, I'm going to lift my hands. That was a joke. This is where you can put in the laugh track. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I have I have clapping. <laughs> <laughs> that's not quite the same so uh, it's i mean lifting what what does it mean uh here it's uh, here here uh here's the first line you said if you be lifted you draw all men to you uh and, now you know that's a quote from jesus sort of it's kind of a paraphrase when the son of man is lifted up he will draw all men to himself but what was jesus talking about the cross Right. When I'm lifted up, I draw him unto myself. And he's lifted up on the cross. It's his death then that draws all men to himself. But they say, you said if you're lifted up, you draw all men to you. So draw me closer to you, and I'm going to lift you up. Yeah. And that, I mean. <laughs> so so we're basically saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crucify you, Jesus. I'm going to crucify you, Jesus. Well, look, I mean, trying to put the best construction on this thing, I think would mean would mean saying that the people, whoever wrote this song, had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, that's much better than than actually reading what they wrote, which is, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and crucify you again. I mean, that's just, that's terrible. Yeah. All right, well, I, I guess that answers um, the second question, clarity. So, not, well, not... Yeah, here's the, here's the great irony of this song. You hope that it's unclear. <laughs> because because if you want to actually read some sort of meaning into the words that you're singing, then it's really kind of clearly false teaching. So, let's yep. give it a high rating on the lack of clarity. <laughs> okay, so... For the ten sake is, of the author. Ten is very clear, one is obscure. What number do you give this one? Two. two. Okay, this one gets a two. And let's talk about... I mean, because it's in English. <laughs> <laughs> so if it was in I don't know, some other language Swahili or whatever Yeah, yeah okay. That'd be a one Let's talk about the mysticism Right after this break We'll be right back To Table Talk Radio Talking about this song I'm gonna or Gonna lift you up On the Praise Song Cruncher Don't go away
The Pensacola Lutheran Blind Mission will hold its monthly meeting and dinner for the blind and sight impaired at 5 p.m. Saturday, May 30th at Emanuel Lutheran Church, 24 West Wright Street, Pensacola, Florida. The program will present a colorful presentation of the history of Memorial Day, how it has changed over the years, and how we honor this day in present times. The Lutheran Blind Mission is an organization that provides social interaction, life skill support, and Christian fellowship for the blind and sight impaired. The driver of the blind and sight impaired is welcome to enjoy the dinner and evening also. The meeting will be in the Fellowship Hall and will end at 7 p.m. Please call Ann Silverly for dinner reservations by Wednesday, May 27th at 850-457-3039 or email annsiverly at yahoo.com. Back to Table Talk Radio, talking about the the I almost said the hymn, the praise song, gonna lift you up. We've talked about the on the praise song cruncher questions one and two, Jesus and clarity. But now it's time for number three, mysticism. Uh, so the question is, uh, is the song about the things that God has done, or about my own emotions and experiences? Um, I look, yeah, this is. <clears throat> For some question? reason, it's a tricky question with this one because you you think of a you got some strong verbs like lift. I mean, here the key verb is lift, and you think, well, that's kind of an objective word. I mean, I lift my papers or books, or I lift my children to put them in bed. I mean, it's kind of a it's a nice verb, you know, the word verb lift. But then, but it's talking about lifting up God, which I don't think is a they intend to mean a, some sort of physical action, like I'm going to hoist God over my shoulder and carry him or something. So it's so this so it's got to be a subjective sort of something or other. I just don't even know what it's talking about. I mean, I'm going to lift you up. What did? Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's so it's some sort of subjective, mystical sort of something or other. Uh, but I don't even know what it, really what it's talking about to sort out what kind of mysticism this is. This is a really bad song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even. It's so bad the cruncher can't even crunch it. <laughs> I think this is maybe the worst we've done on Table Talk Radio. Yeah. So I hope your church isn't singing "Gonna Lift You Up." Gonna. It's not even. I'm going to. I know. Gonna. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, number four. Is there law and gospel anywhere in this this song? No. Okay. Uh, five. Any explicit false teaching? Well, like we talked about before. I mean, if if you want to, I think if you want to read the song literally, uh, which and. And assume that the person that wrote it knew what they were talking about. Then there is false teaching when it's because when it says I'm going to lift you up and it can and it speaks of that in the context of Jesus being lifted up. It's saying I'm going to crucify you again, so that would be false teaching. But I don't want to. I mean, I don't. I, I think whoever wrote this, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe we should try to get a hold of who did this, Jonathan Baker Butler. Uh, if you're a listener, Jonathan. Uh, the writer of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's an advocate, too. like radio listener. <laughs> then call us and tell us what you're thinking when you wrote this song, because I really got no idea. 
<laughs> so we'll wait to hear from him. We get emails from him every week. <laughs> Before we jump to conclusions about the false doctrine business. All right. Try, try to be charitable. Okay, well, uh, we have some more songs. You want to do some more crunching then? Yeah, yeah, let's you're, crunch another. You're not tired let's of that? something okay. a little more challenging. Okay. We heard, by the way, of um, people using the hymn song, the praise song cruncher, to crunch the hymns and the things that they're singing. Even some people were using the praise song crunchers to crunch sermons and different writings and things like this. That's all right. Uh, see how it goes, because these are always good questions to ask. Is Jesus coming clearly, objectively, and distinguishing uh, law and gospel? So that's good. I'm going to so use the, I'm gonna use the praise song cruncher to crunch episodes of Table Talk Radio. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, here comes the next song. This is um, You Are Good by Lincoln Brewster. Good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. All right, so that's You Are Good by Lincoln Brewster, um, talking about, I guess, the goodness of God. Let's uh, let's run through this praise song cruncher. Number one, Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Uh, no. Yeah. By the way, you heard the entirety of the lyrics right there. This is kind of a classic praise song, you know. I mean, it's you take a couple of verses from here and there, and you kind of slap it together. You, you try to arrange things so that they rhyme, and then... Uh, then play some music. <laughs> yep. What? There's this thing in here too. The bridge. It says, "You are good all the time, all the time. You are good." Where did this come from? I've been hearing it a lot more lately. It's kind of the new trendy thing, uh, where the pa- it's like a call and response, and the pastor says, "God is good," and then the people say, "All the time," and then the pastor says, "All the time," and the people respond, "God is good." Have you have you seen that? Uh, are I've they heard doing of it, that yeah. at chapel? <laughs> Beginning of seminary classes, the professor walks in, God is good. That's right. <laughs> I don't know where this comes from, but it's made it into the song here, so apparently it's uh, now uh, entrenched in some sort of strange kind of pop Christianity lit- liturgical call and response. So, Yeah, well, is Jesus mentioned? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, is the song clear? Does it use sentences? No. What is this? What does this mean? Uh, people from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> but what is? It? There's no. Uh, that's not a sentence. This is why we don't play. Don't forget the lyrics uh, to your praise songs with you because you would get them all. Fin- finish <laughs> from generation to generation. Good job. <laughs> what, what rhymes with tongue? No, that's not a sentence. We worship you. That's a sentence. Uh, you are good all the time, all the time you are good. Uh, 
that's a compound. That's a uh, you should that should be two sentences. It's combined into one here. Um, but this this people I, this people from every nation and tongue from generation to generation. What does that even mean? I don't even know what it's talking about. I don't know why those were. I do not know what purpose those words serve in this song. They don't serve any purpose. Wasn't it, remember when we when we did that praise song that actually came out pretty good and you were reading uh, the how to write a praise song from the author? Yes. And he, and he said to avoid filling in words just because you need to fill in space. And that might be right. what this guy's doing here. Yeah, I think he he was onto something there. What song was that? Uh, in Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. By yeah, that's right. something Townsend or something like that. Stuart Townsend. That's right. Yeah. That that made it through the cruncher. This one is not doing so good. So, <laughs> clarity, true. sentence use, uh, eh, 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 eh. four. Four. Eh, through five, maybe. Okay. I mean, you kind of have an idea what it's talking about. All right, all right. Then uh, three, mysticism, subjective or objective? Subjective. Wait, wait, if you can just, like, circle in the chorus, circle the first word of every line. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah. for the last one, I guess. We, 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 we. Oh, and you are good. Yeah, that's right. We worship you. Now, so the praise songwriters heard, hey, everyone's complaining because we always use I. So the <laughs> song used to be, I worship you, but oh, we can fix that. We worship you. <laughs> if you're just singing by yourself, though, you have to change it. Um, long gospel, anything? Mm. Is there even law? Mm. Is Okay, let me ask you this. Is is the goodness of God law or gospel? Um, well, you have this phrase from Psalm 36, which is repeated over and over in Psalm 36. Um, um, uh, the, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Uh, in fact, although in Psalm 136, it's give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Um and so you have the goodness of God and the mercy of God combined there. So when you have God's mercy and his goodness together, uh, then you have gospel. Uh, this is the Lord looking upon us kindly because of the death of Jesus. That's how we're to understand that. If you just have the goodness of God kind of standing on its own, um, then it could be both law or gospel. It Because is that goodness uh, standing against my wickedness right. and therefore condemning me? Yeah, you. Uh, then I'm in trouble. You'd have to say that God is just is a good quality, but His justice mm-hmm. isn't always gospel. Right, that's right. We, uh, although it's the kind of the height of His justice to pour His wrath onto His Son, but but that must be stated explicitly. If you just have the justice of God standing on its own, then it's it could be dangerous. And, and then I mean, here's the really interesting phrase in the whole uh, song to talk about. It says, "We worship you for who you are." So this. It never says who God is. It just must be assumed. So it's not. Uh, th- so there's no teaching here. It, what's assumed is that you know who God is. Now, the the great irony is that the praise songs are these songs which are supposed to be used for uh, for the unchurched, for the seeker, etc., etc. Uh, the problem is that they there is so much theology that is assumed in the praise songs, so much more than the hymns. Because the praise songs don't take it upon themselves to teach. But what do you uh, what do you make of this line, Evan? We worship you for who you are. Well, um, as far in the context of what you just said, as far as teaching, it doesn't say who God is. 
Um, any any theistic religion could sing this song, I think. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's right. So there's because there's nothing about Jesus. Right. All right. Well, um, no law and gospel. Any explicit no false teaching? No, there's because again, there's no teaching at all. So, okay. And, and this points out the the, the danger in, in just asking simply the question: do, Is there any false teaching in this praise song? That's not a. You can't just ask that question because, uh, uh, oftentimes there's just no teaching at all. So a church uh, a song won't be wrong. It just won't be right either. Right. Correct. Well, we are out of time for this segment. You want to do one more song after this break? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll do um, this uh, Majestic by, again, Lincoln, Lincoln? Lincoln Brewster <laughs> right after this break. Don't go away. More Table Talk Radio after this. In the early 16th century, there was a man named John Tetzel, who is remembered for his selling of indulgences to fund the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He said, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Luther, of course, combated this teaching, saying that the indulgence wasn't even worth the paper it was written on. We at Table Talk Radio want to give you something of equal value. For every dollar you donate through our website, tabletalkradio.org, we will send you one Table Talk Radio point. With this certificate of pretend Table Talk Radio points, you will be reminded that the points on Table Talk Radio are like the treasury of merits to your salvation. No help whatsoever. Get your pretend Table Talk Radio points today by clicking the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. One more song to send through the praise song cruncher. We need to do this a little, uh, a little quicker than our others. Uh, Because we do have some theologians to get to for Name That Theologian. Uh, But this next one is Majestic by Lincoln Brewster. That's the first one. Uh, Pastor, you want to read through some of these other lyrics real quick? They look the same. <laughs> oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your greatness. Oceans cry out to you. That's the same, right? Mountains bow down, so I'll join in and sing with the mountains. The heavens declare your greatness. I'm adding my own little uh, here. Uh, oh, here's my, here's one of my favorite lines. The mountains, they doubt, bow down before you, so I'll join with the earth and give my praise to you. Ooh. <laughs> 
okay. repeat, repeat, repeat. It's all repeat. All right. This is one of those 7-Eleven. Ha ha. I love that joke. Seven words, hey. 11 times. Ha ha. So Pete and repeat got in a boat. Pete got out and who was left? Uh, repeat. Oh. <laughs> okay. Pete and repeat were in a boat. Pete got out. And who, okay. Anyway. Uh, okay. Is Jesus mentioned? Um, no. And this brings up another interesting point. These songs are almost all stuck on the first article. You know, first article, God created the heavens and the earth. So when you got a theology of glory, of which it. is um, which is what's behind the uh, a lot of the praise songs, you got a theology of glory. Well, where's God's glory seen? Well, it's seen in creation. He makes the sun and the moon and the stars and all this stuff. Uh, it, for, like Paul says in Romans, the invisible uh, nature of God is known from the beginning through creation. See, so if you're just going to sing about how great God is, then all, you don't need to mention Jesus. He can be great quite apart from. Uh, Quite apart from Jesus on the cross. In fact, Jesus on the cross might even bring into question his greatness. Uh, right. It, it's it's no coincidence then that those who have the, the creed that God is great, or as they prefer to say, Allah is great, uh, don't have any place for Jesus' death on the cross. That's right, because on the cross we see um, this great God that we're talking about then um, taking care of sin. Uh, punishing sin in the person of Jesus, and we see that right there on the cross in the uh, the personal union of Jesus, right there, uh, because he is suffering and dying for uh, for all sin for for all time. Yeah, you, you, so you when you get these praise songs off of the YouTube, but did you get them off of YouTube? By the way, uh, no, I got them off of these church websites. Oh yeah, that's right. If you find them on YouTube, you know what they have in the background of all these things? They have pictures of mountains and lakes and trees and birds. Etc. Etc. It's like uh, all the pictures of those um, uh, motivational posters. This is what is the background for these music. So it's it's really. I mean, it's almost all given over to the first article. Uh, By the way, I have a new rule. If you didn't catch that I used the buzzword, then it's automatically five hundred points. Did you use it? Personal union. Did you say it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly wa I wasn't paying attention, which isn't. That I think that might be a good rule. What did you say? I, I was talking about we see that on the cross and, and and Jesus dying for his sins in the in the personal union. Oh, all right, five hundred points for you. <laughs> nice work. I guess. Okay, well, let, let's zip through these last questions. We need we need to get to name that theologian. Yeah. Uh, clarity, clarity. Hmm. Mm, pretty clear. Uh, ocean scratchy of the mountains they've been under before you saw drunk. Yeah, there's some there's some sentence fragments and then some sentences. Um, so this probably is about a seven in clarity. Okay, mysticism. Yeah, there's mysticism. Um, I mean any sort of song where you're being wrapped up in joining the mountains uh, and the hills in praising God, which is granted a biblical image. Uh, but to you know to make that the focus uh, of your song, this is uh, putting things really in the subjective mark. I mean, unless someone is going out there and trying to get in tune with the rocks or something, uh, go to Santa Fe or Taos, New Mexico, uh, <laughs> where you hear the hum. This is not. Uh, this is yeah. So this is a pretty uh, a pretty mystical kind of idea here in this song. So we'll give it a what a, a five or no four for subjectivity. Okay. Um, and then law gospel. This is interesting because when we were talking about the first article, 
Uh, wasn't it Luther that said that you know after um, Adam and Eve uh, sinned in the garden that they would have uh, trembled at even the sound of a leaf shaking? Yes. That even even creation, because um, uh, because we're we're told in the first commandment that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And so um, even creation can, can in a sense, be law, but maybe not in this song, law or gospel. Yeah, I think, no, I think you're right. When you just dwell on the first article and never get to the second, the, the only thing you could possibly have is law. So you can have nothing or you can have law. Um, so this is kind of in between on this song. I'm not quite sure, but there's certainly no gospel. Okay, and any explicit false teaching? No. Again, no. Okay. So that one didn't make it through our cruncher either. And by the way, I'm not just going through the internet trying to find bad songs that are going to go through our cruncher. These are songs that I pulled off of church websites that were sung last Sunday. So this is what's in churches today. So there you go. There you go. All right, name that theologian. Can I go first? Yeah, get to it. Okay, I've got some good ones for you. I've got three quotes. Okay. And are we doing the super game? We're combining name that theologian with uh, law and or gospel? Correct. All right. Okay, here it is. When one looks at everyday life, does not does one not find grave offenses? Indeed, such offenses as are everywhere prevalent. I shall not say vices which the world, too, acknowledges to be wrong, for ultimately such offenses does not do so much harm. Much graver is the injury that comes from sins which are no longer recognized as sins, or whose gravity is no longer realized. All right. That's so, your first one. So this is talking about the danger of um, of sin that's socially acceptable, and it's warning of those dangers, which is, I think, fine. I think that's good so far. Okay. The next one, then. Um, Here the excuse is not valid that a distinction must be made between the man who drinks all the time and seeks his own pleasure in drinking and others who seldom drink or eventfully or, or on eventful occasions and to the health of others, as if St. Paul meant the former and not the latter. Although the validity of this objection can be denied on the basis of other scriptures, of uh, other passages of the scriptures, I wish simply to ask such people if they regard as damnable the life only of those who practice whoredom every day, commit adultery every day, engage in homosexual relations, steal, rob, etc. every day, or if they do not consider it too much to do these things even once a year. Hmm. We have a teetoler on our hands here. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's certainly uh, a law, and uh, uh, and a severe law saying, hey, look, at, um, you sin once or you sin daily. There, we make no distinction between the two, and that, that then is applied to drinking. All right, let's see. Do you have a third quotation from said I theologian? I do. We cannot deny, on the contrary... Daily experience con- convinces us there are not a few who think that all Christianity requires of them is that they be baptized, hear the preaching of God's words, confess and receive absolution, and go to the Lord's Supper, no matter how long their hearts are disposed at the time, whether or not they, they, there are fruits which follow, provided at least they live in such a way that the civil authorities do not find them liable to punishment. The illusion um, of these people um, sorry, let me skip down here. Whereby the, these blind people turn the holy intention of God upside down. Your God has indeed given you baptism, and you may be baptized only once. But he has made a covenant with you, from this side a covenant of grace, and from your side a covenant of faith, 
and a good conscience. This covenant must last through your whole life. It must be... Uh, it will be in vain that you comfort yourselves in baptism and it's and in its promise of grace and salvation if your part you do not also remain in the covenant of faith and good conscience or having departed there therefrom return to it with sincere repentance hmm so we have a covenant theologian here um this comes from calvinism these the kind of the great emphasis on the different covenants we have a bit of a despising of baptism in favor of works. That's a, a mark of a pietist. And this kind of has the ring of a Puritan or of um, an early revival teacher um, like Finney or one of the Puritans like Cotton Mather. I don't think it's Jonathan Edwards uh, because, um, I mean... Because we know what we get when we talk about Jonathan yeah, Edwards. Yeah, because everyone goes nuts on the forum. <laughs> uh, but it could... Um, uh, but it doesn't have the distinctive marks of Finney. Uh, it seems a little bit kind of rough for a guy like Spurgeon. Uh, who was the English guy with that Spurgeon went to talk to um, over there? I can't remember that guy's name. Let, let me say, uh, let me let me just say Charles uh, uh, Haddon Spurgeon. Is it Charles Spurgeon? We'll find out right after this break on Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio in the middle of playing Name That Theologian, and Pastor Wolfmiller is straining to find out if he's right in guessing Charles Spurgeon. And uh, are, you, are you ready? Yeah. By the way, visit our website, <laughs> tabletalkradio.org. There's a bunch of articles. You can click on the forum, oh, chat with us about brother. the show. Uh, also, <laughs> call us on our voicemail system, 866-851-5523. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, you are incorrect. Oh, it is fierce. not Charles Spurgeon. Who let is me let let me read the first quote again, but leaving in the part that I omitted. All right, all right. When one looks at everyday life, even among us who are called Lutherans, do not deserve this name, oh. for they do not understand dear Luther's teaching about living faith. Oh, so this is now. So it's one of the early Lutheran Pietists, but I don't think it was the Spainer would be the first one. So maybe his teacher. Uh, or his student, Franca? Was it Franca? Oh, it is actually Spainer himself. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know he was a teetotaler. Uh, well, he, um, I, uh, I don't think he would be necessarily opposed to like, drinking at a meal, but to go out for the purpose of only drinking, even if it isn't drunkenness. Um, well, he is opposed to that. because at the at the time, drinking with meal is just was just kind of the thing that you did. Uh, so you know, if I had a beer, beer with dinner, you know, I don't think he'd be opposed to that. But but to go out and say, hey, let's just grab a few drinks, I think he he would be opposed to that. Isn't that something? Philip Yakov Spainer, who is the uh, uh, the origin of Lutheran Pietism. Yeah. Dun, dun, this is dun. in what what's this work? Pia Desiree, the way of piety. Yeah. yeah, it's his work where he's trying to say, hey, look at uh, we can be better than these drunken, lazy, fat Orthodox guys. 
we uh, <laughs> we should get together and talk about sermons. Okay, so, we want, we need to talk about this because it seems like every time we talk about this, someone writes in our forum or, or emails us saying that you know, hey, Lutherans um, are against all these all these things about you know being uh, heartfelt about worship. Are Lutherans against feelings and all this stuff? Yes. And good works, <laughs> of course. No, 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 no. Uh, it's it's really just a matter of emphasis. You know, you wanna uh, you wanna have it all in the right place. And the most very most important thing is that is that Jesus died for us. And and so Lutherans take very very seriously the warnings of the prophets that good works can be dangerous if we trust in them. If you trust in your good works, in your piety. In your, li- in, in your living out of God's commandments in your life, if you trust in that, it would be better if you never had done a good work in your life so that you have nothing to trust in but Jesus. Because when you trust in your works, this is an idol. Uh, so that and Lutherans know that danger. The prophets did too. I mean, the prophets are always warning about it. You see this refrain all through, uh, all through the prophetic scriptures. Uh, I despise your sacrifices. God says these are good works that God commanded, and yet He despises them because here the people are trusting them, trusting in them rather than receiving in the sacrifices the the promises that God had offered there. Uh, so that uh, good works, uh, Lutheranism sounds the alarm in trusting in good works. Now, trusting in good works and doing good works is two totally different things. Uh, and, and that's the difference. We, uh, The Lutheran Confession say, not only do we not forbid good works, as all of our writings on the Ten Commandments show, we actually show how to do them, which is first by believing in Jesus. Because if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, 6. Uh, Hebrews is, I mean, even though that's anti-legomena, it's part of the uh, we want to really take advantage of that verse because it's so beautiful. That's a 200. Oh, come on. It's uh, <laughs> Hebrews 11.6, which says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and that's true. You have to you have to have faith first. Uh, we love not, not be—how uh, 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 does the verse go in First John? We love because he first loved us. This is love, says John. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. So we have to always start, always first, primary, is the love of God for us. And then after that, uh, good works will follow freely. Uh, but that's not the big deal. The big deal is the is the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. Right. Now, uh, let, one, more, one more question about this before we go on to yours, because we have about five minutes here. Um, this is maybe by way of our law gospel analysis. What about the part where you talked about uh, people being baptized and and not even living out the fruits of faith after the baptism uh, is it possible then to to uh take your baptism as as it, some people call it a certificate to go sin yeah if you the gospel is never an excuse for sin ever if you are excusing your sin with the gospel then you do not have the gospel that's so clear in the scriptures i mean you cannot use your freedom as a cloak for vice says peter but rather our freedom is that we might love our neighbor so that uh, if if ever and and this is for our listeners and and for all of us really if ever we find ourselves excusing our sin with the gospel saying oh jesus will forgive me i can do that he won't mind too much then th- this is time for a serious conversation with your pastor uh because this is a very dangerous spiritual state uh, because when we begin to use the... Th- that's exactly how the devil would use the gospel. The devil knows the gospel, and he uses it to great effect. 
by preaching it to us before we sin to to give us license to do whatever we want um and mm. uh, and that's a and that's a terrible thing so no um we we don't want to what was the original question <laughs> we don't want to yeah, use yeah. our our baptism as an excuse to sin as if god has in, us in some sort of holy headlock and no matter how hard we fight uh he'll drag us to heaven that that is not the right way to see baptism Right. Okay. But what, one one more thing. Uh, not everything that that Spainer and, and those guys taught um, was all bad. I mean, Bible studies. We didn't have Bible studies at church before before the Pietists. And um, I don't think you'd want to argue getting rid of Bible studies before church, do you? No, boy. I love Bible study. All We'd right. have to get rid of Table Talk Radio. That's right. <laughs> okay. I can't imagine such a tragedy. That. that <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, you have a theologian for me then? I do. You ready? Yep. I have as many quotations as you want. Here's the first one. To the corruptions of Christianity, I am indeed opposed, but not to the genuine precepts of Jesus himself. I am a Christian, in the only sense he wished anyone to be, sincerely attached to his doctrines, in preference to all others, ascribing to himself every human excellence and believing he claimed he never claimed any other. Okay, I don't have any idea. Keep going. <laughs> what did you hear, though? You got a highlight for us what you heard in that quotation. What what uh, theological strands stuck out to you? Nothing. That's why I have no idea. Um, but well, no, I... <laughs> here he said he's a Christian. Yeah, okay, so he's a Christian. Thanks. He says... He, he ascribes to Jesus every human excellence and no other. Now, what is it? What do you take from that? Ascribes to Jesus every human excellence. Oh, so perhaps this person um, may may be denying the uh, personal union of Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, right. Getting another you 500 don't, you points. Don't get, you don't get you don't get extra points <laughs> one time. <laughs> okay. yeah, no, no, that's a, exactly right though. That's exactly right. Okay, okay. Here's another one. Ridicule is the only weapon which can be used against unintelligible propositions. Ideas must be distinct before reason can act upon them. And no man ever had a distinct idea of the Trinity. It is the mere abracadabra of the Montebox calling themselves the priests of Jesus. Okay, so this person is denying the Trinity. Mm-hmm. 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 The, ling- the language seems rather... Modern? Would I be true in that statement? Ooh, no. Uh, well, it you know our criteria for praise, contemporary or <laughs> this would this if you use that criteria, this person is contemporary. Oh, so okay, <laughs> that helps. Huh. Yeah, after seventeen fifty. Okay. All right. Here's one more. One more. Ready? Mm-hmm. I I too have made a wee little book from the same materials, which I call the philosophy of Jesus. It's a, par- uh, it's a paradigm of his doctrines, made by cutting texts out of the book and arranging them on the pages of a plain book in a certain order of time or subject. A more beautiful or precious morsel of ethics I have never seen. It is a document and proof that I am a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus, very different from the Platonists who call me an infidel and themselves Christians and preachers of the gospel while they draw all their characteristic dogmas from what the author never said nor saw. They have compounded from the heathen mysteries a system beyond the comprehension of man 
of which the great reformer of the vicious ethics and deism of the Jews, were he to return on earth, would not recognize one feature. Okay, so I am, you said it wasn't modern, but it's contemporary by our, our hymn game, which the cutoff is 1750. So I'm thinking of someone after 1750, but not too mm-hmm. close to the modern day, and mm-hmm. a, a heretic at that. Um, mm-hmm. Highly regarded uh, Jesus, although uh, sounds like just his philosophy. I don't know who wrote that who who wrote that philosophy of Jesus booklet. Um, and it talked about. I don't know. You're kind of on this Islam kick right now too with this uh, symposia that, as we record, is is coming up. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if it's some sort of an Islam that I don't know. Of. I I I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, how very interesting. Here's another quote from the same person. The doctrines of Jesus are simple and all tend to the happiness of man. One, that there's only one God and he is all perfect. Two, that there is a future state of rewards and punishments. Three, that to love God with all thy heart and thy neighbor as thyself is the sum of religion. Yeah, I still don't know. And uh, we're we're actually out of time, so we might need to reveal the answer if we want to talk more about it. Uh, tune, in, tune in online. Yes, the answer is Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Well, that's, dun, dun, dun. that's all the time we have for for this edition. But uh, do you want to stay on a little bit longer to talk about this online? Sure. Okay. So visit our website tabletalkradio.org and click on the uh, podcast link. T- and, Table uh, Talk Radio, the where the, the points online. are like the. The, the points are like uh, the miracles of Jesus to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> they just completely don't make a difference. <laughs> Very good. Okay. <laughs> um, that's good. Oh, wow. Okay, so Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. So, Isn't this interesting? So hey, now, here, listen to this. L- let me continue to th- this last quote that I was reading. Here's the three. He says, these are the doctrines of Jesus. There's one God. The f- there's a future state of rewards and punishments. And to love God with all thy heart and thy neighbors thyself is the sum of religion. Now, I was, I was throwing you off by that because you, that could be an Islamist. I mean, uh, an Islamist could come along and say the same thing. And what's very interesting, I, or the Muslim, I should say Muslim. Islamist is kind of for Muslim extremes, but a Muslim could say the same thing. And and here's the uh, quite amazing thing, is that the Muslims nowadays are presenting themselves as the natural religion of man, which is exactly what Thomas Jefferson believed in. He, he has this natural religion. He How, goes on to talk about Calvin in this quote. You want to hear what he says about Calvin? Well, hold on, hold on. I, I want to ask you about okay. this natural religion. What, what do you mean by that, and how do, how do they say that? Well, uh, what do the Muslims say? Yeah. They they say that our faith is reasonable. Uh, our faith makes sense. When you just sit and think that, that well, they say that Allah has wired man to understand his nature, and this is how it is, but that uh, that this is a reasonable thing to say that there's one God, that he's all-powerful, that man has to worship him, that he created everything, that he sent his prophets uh, to to um, because he's merciful, so that we would uh, confess his truth and spread his word to all the world, um, all this sort of stuff. And they say you Christians are nutty because you say that God can uh, join, be united with man, and you say that God suffers and dies. And this doesn't make any sense. That God is transcendent, completely transcendent. This is what is what actually makes sense when you think about it. And in a way, they're right. The gospel is foolishness. Uh, the Islam does not have that foolishness. I mean, it's just, it's wrong, but it's not necessarily foolish. And this is their really, I mean, their kind of evangelism track. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole 
the whole thing of Islam is to um, to submit to Allah, uh, and that, that that's kind of a, the, th- the theologian of, of glory way to go, that by submitting to Allah, I'm uh, fulfilling what God wants. Uh, not, but there's no salvation guaranteed in that unless you unless you die for Allah. Well, yeah, right, which is kind of a mess. But, uh, I mean, there's some some of the specifics uh, of, uh, well, there's some parallels here between the, the, the Muslims and the, um, and the uh, Mormons, is that when you start to get into the specifics, things get really kooky. But as they uh, present it, just kind of straightforward, plain, this is our kind of philosophy of religion, it's just sort of, uh, there's a big creator. It's almost Romans 1, you know. What does Paul say in Romans 1 was revealed about God and nature, that he, the invisible qualities, that his, um, his holiness and his, uh, and his power. So you have religions that are given over to the holiness and power of God, and, and this is what exactly what nature teaches about God. So it makes sense to the mind of man to have this really great and transcendent God, and that's it. And that's what, uh, that's what the deist had, like Jefferson was a deist. He didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Of course not. Jesus was simply a teacher to point to this great God, which is totally transcendent. And that's exactly what the uh, Muslims say that Jesus was, and Allah, or and uh, Muhammad, and all the other prophets. They're just pointing to this great, the great transcendence of God. Right. Really interesting, right? Well, anything else? Well, here let's so here let me say a little bit more about what Jefferson says about Calvin. This I think is great. The great points in which Jesus endeavored to reform the religion of the Jews, there's one God, future state of rewards and punishments, God, love God and love your neighbor. Compare these with the demoralizing dogmas of Calvin. One, that there are three gods. <laughs> Two, that good works or the love of our neighbor is nothing. Three, that faith is everything. And the more incomprehensible the proposition, the more merit uh, in its faith. Four, that reason in religion is of unlawful use. And five, that God from the beginning elected certain individuals to be saved and certain others to be damned, that no crimes of the former condemn them, no virtues of the latter save. Now, which of these is true and charitable Christian? He who believes and acts on the simple doctrines of Jesus or the impious dogmatists as Athanasius and Calvin? <laughs> Very- do you hear that? Yeah. Verily I say these are the false shepherds foretold as to enter not by the door into the sheepfold, but to climb up some other way. They are mere usurpers of the Christian names, teaching a counter-religion made up of their of the deliria of crazy imaginations, as forward from Christianity as is that of Mohammed. Their blasphemies have driven thinking men to infidelity, who have too hastily rejected the supposed author himself with the horrors so falsely imputed to him. Had the doctrines of Jesus been preached always as pure as they came from his lips, the holy civilized world would have now been Christian. What what uh what are you reading from? Uh, this is uh, Thomas Jefferson's letter to Benjamin Waterhouse, um, and he wrote this letter to Benjamin Waterhouse. Uh, I think responding to a letter uh, to a paper he wrote called "The Morals of Jesus." Hmm. Where he wrote a syllabus there. That's interesting. So, so, so here for Jefferson, what he says is the true religion of Jesus is Jesus as the moral teacher. The, the, the problem is, well, everything. 
is that uh, if Jesus was simply the moral teacher, then there is nothing, there is no benefit for us in his in his death. If Jesus is simply the moral teacher, then all you have is law and no gospel. If if Jesus is simply the moral teacher and he's not God in our flesh who suffers in our place, then we have um, uh, then we make the cross of Christ of no effect. Uh, it's not what Jesus taught that saves us. It's what he did that saves us. And his teaching brings that benefit to us because he's teaching what he's going to do and what he's done. Uh, but we find all of our comfort, like St. Paul, in the in the cross of Christ, who preached nothing but Christ crucified. Right. So there you have it. There's Thomas Jefferson. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that that is. You really got me. You knew I was going to get it, though, right? Well, I thought you might because everyone talks about how Thomas Jefferson cut out pages of the Bible and put them together, and he cut out all of the miracles and just left it blank. So I thought you might get that. But yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the score update. I gave you two hundred for getting your buzzword. Sweet. <laughs> Since you're happy with that, I'll leave it. Uh, so five hundred to two hundred is the final score. And uh, thanks for listening to the extended version of Table Talk Radio. See you again next week. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.